Hello, just a note before we start the podcast that myself and Christian met with Andy Coyle from STV um, today for lunch and decided to integrate part of that into the podcast. You can catch us every Friday with a new sort of guest. Uh, We're doing it via Periscope on Twitter and through Instagram Live also. We enjoyed the interview with Andy so much that we thought we'd put the audio into this uh, podcast. We talk about Celtic in Europe as well as the transfer um, scenario at Celtic Park as well as Scottish football and the SPFL a television deal so just wanted to add this in because it's really nice and adds it takes it to an hour overall if you're watching via periscope um the sound quality wasn't at its best but that will be fixed for next week um you know trial and error at this point but we've got something we think is quite interesting and quite fun and we'd like you to kind of get involved with it so thanks to andy coyer for getting involved it was terrific speaking to him and uh, enjoy Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic. Um, I'm Chris Gallagher and I'm joined by Christian Wolfe. That's me. And Mr Andy Coyle. How you doing? Good to have you along Andy. Um, we, we were going to call it Lunchtime with the Cynics, Lunch with the Cynics, but... We haven't found a name yet. Haven't found a name yet, which clearly means we're not calling it that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Andy, uh, just kind of your thoughts on the, the Celtic um, AAK match and the tie overall. Uh, well, I know you guys went into real depth on it in the podcast <laughs> earlier this week. In short, it was Celtic's, Celtic's defensive problems catching up with them. Yeah. If you play that many qualifiers every year, and UEFA say they have to, at some point it was going to come unstuck, and that's what happened on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, overall, it wasn't that bad a performance if you separate out the two goals but there is just something lacking right through the spine yeah um, our continual point on the podcast was in isolation <laughs> yes yeah in isolation well I think that's fair but if you if you look at what the plan probably was for that game it's nothing, nothing like what Brendan Rodgers had to work with on, on Tuesday yeah start of pre-season first qualifiers it was Dembele and Edward up front Tuesday you had Lee Griffiths and Cham and Brown had games that they have one, one in ten. They both had it on the same night. Yeah. And then you've got the, the ongoing problem of the defence. It's something we discussed as well because two weeks ago it looked really rosy. And I think that 3-5-2 formation looked like Rogers had worked on it through the summer and looked really sharp with uh, Eddie and Dembele up top. Mm-hmm. And when Dembele got off injured and you also get sent off in the same match, the formation change comes. Yeah. And it kind of then exacerbated by... You know, a little bit of, you know, a couple of laps of concentrations. And, but even in the AK Athens home game, I thought it was a very good first half until the goal. And what I've seen, but what we've seen over the last two seasons, even with those setbacks, Brendan Rochester Celtic has just bounced back and they've found mm-hmm. a way to do it. That didn't happen now. And do you think that's just the low averages? It, ha- it had to happen sometimes, or is there something else going on there? I think it's, it's a bit of both. Um, yeah, four, four qualifiers. Yeah. You're, you're going to have a bad night every now and then. Yeah. If you're lucky, you get away with it. You've done enough in the first leg. And, and Celtic could have done enough at Celtic Park in, the, in that sort of golden period they had at the start to have wrapped it up. But yeah. they didn't. And then you have all the other things that none of them are a single cause. But you've got Brendan Rodgers being unhappy with the board. You've got the Dedrick Grata situation. You have injuries. And you have pressure. And what's, you know, AEK Athens are not the team that they once were but away in Greece is not where you want to have to 
to find your best. Yeah, it's not where you want a young guy learning his trade no. like Jack Hendry. Um, you know, you mentioned the fact that we started the season with Dembele and Edward and, and Cham and Brown had a really off game. We also were looking to go with Ayer and Hendry, and obviously Ayer, as well. yeah, Ayer's um, kind of suspension kind of caused us not to be able to pick him. Um, in, in terms of moving forward, do we have to sell on Cham and Dembele? That seems to be. Rumours are rife that Porto are coming in and Marseille are coming in. Do we have to sell them you because would, of this hole? No, you, you would hope not for, uh, for Celtic and, uh, and for Scottish football because you want to see players like that develop here. But there's been a lot of money brought in in the last couple of years. Even if that can't all be spent on bringing in players to take Celtic up to the next level, like the world appears to want, it should be enough of a buffer to hold on to what you've got. Yeah. Unless people are absolutely battering the door down to get away, like Dedrick Boyata, where you have to just cut your losses and say, Ooh. for the good of the squad, <laughs> let, let's do this. Yeah, what about the Boyata situation? How do you how do you read that? Maybe a decision should have been taken on it earlier. I mean, how many months ago were the yeah. contract talks and they obviously weren't going well? Guys who want to stay, you do the deal quickly and they're signed up for two, three years and you, you forget about it. Were Celtic waiting for the World Cup to bump his price up? That would have been plausible, but then it has. That, yeah, it has. <laughs> but then when the bid comes in, it's rejected, and yeah. it, it just all got messy. And now there is there is no road back. Does there seem to be a disconnect here? With obviously, as you said, that there will be a thought behind waiting, bump the price up, but then suddenly in a situation where maybe Brendan Rodgers goes, "Look, I can't sell it now. You know, yeah. <laughs> I've got nobody left." And you also. So, does it seem like a club from the outside that is maybe have different strategies and not maybe that much aligned? That could be any club, but. It, it could be. I don't think that the, the sort of policy and strategy is, is a problem in itself. If you look at. I mean, Celtic have to create value in the market yeah. overall, but they also have to get things right on the pitch. So, that is guys who you can develop and one or two experienced players who can help bring them along and keep things right. <laughs> at the end of January, Brendan Rodgers is thanking the board yeah. for bringing in Marvin Comper. At that point, <laughs> hear, hear me out, at that point he thinks he's brought in someone with Bundesliga experience. Yeah. He is going to get Dedrick Beata to sign a new deal, which you know, didn't seem unrealistic at the time. And January is when you're planning for the Champions League qualifiers. Yeah, That's the centre-half pairing that he thought he would have when he's facing the AK Athens needing to get a result. You think it was in Cham and Boyata? Uh, uh, sorry, um, um, Boyata com compare and Compare? I, I would think so. I think that's where you want to put your experience. You don't want to expose your younger players in a difficult game like that for, for two completely different reasons. You, you've got youngsters in there who haven't coped particularly well. Simonovic, not, not the youngest, but you, but you know what I mean. And I think something we've argued on the pod a lot is that Celtic season doesn't really end in May. For me, Celtic season ends in August once you have the qualifiers. No, so, it, so, ends so, in, it ends in May. It, technically. <laughs> <laughs> but at least, I mean, there's, those games are so important so that you want to have the spine you have in May, you want starting in August because there are tightrope and to bring three, four, five players into that team over a pre-season and then having your most important games straight away it's always risky. So I don't think, oh, I didn't bring anybody in in the summer. Well, you should be able to get through those qualifiers with what you had at the end of May, maybe one or two more. Yeah. I, th yeah. I, I think that's what your January business is all about. It's got to have half an eye on. Have we ever really done good business in January? Like Celtic, have Celtic ever done good business in January? I mean, we talk, We know these qualifiers are going to be there. We know. And 
I, I will give give him some slack in that you know compare when compare was brought in. I think we said on the podcast this is perfect. This yeah. is exactly mm-hmm. what we need. So from that point of view, there is a lot of luck that's associated with us going out, the lack of it. Um, but how far back does this set Celtic, do you think? It's hard to say. It, it depends on how they get on in the Europa League. Yeah. I, I think if they get into a group that's got a fair balance to it, they come out of it, go into the knockouts and maybe go a stage further, then everybody says it's a step forward, a step back to take a couple of steps forward, forward yeah. and it's all good. If like Ronnie Dyla did. He just yeah. took a big step back so oh, he can go. go forward. Ronnie Dyla, Marek. Yeah. Marek behind the camera, Marek Robert, of course. <laughs> Put his hand up for absolutely no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, I mean, we brought in Arzani today. Do you know much about him? No. Not, not much at all, okay. to be honest. Uh, I don't the, know either. <laughs> anyone does. The glimpse at the World Cup and reading... I was going to say, reading the hype, it all seems to be fairly genuine that people are saying he's the best Australian winger since Harry Kewell, he's the best talent since... Uh, since Rogic has come through uh, and well you don't get a better endorsement than being signed by a Man City in the first place yeah um, just you know we again we're talking on the podcast about how Brendan Rodgers has a specific way of playing and that he's going to only play one way and he'll take defeats if it leads to an overall moving forward plan are we fishing in the right markets for transfers should we just avoid England or should we kind of look around you know m- m- Christian you mentioned Scandinavia and how many Great talents are there. <laughs> well, obviously. Um, I, I, well, I think that's the argument. Should Celtic be looking at Scandinavia, Belgium, Netherlands, Austria, Switzerland, and they're kind of almost the best players in those leagues, or do you go to get, you know, the, the reserve players of, of bigger teams where you have contacts and so on? And it's there doesn't seem to be very well. It seems slightly scattered on the points in terms of who comes in yeah. and where do you get them from. Um, from the outside, it's difficult to say what the scouts come in with the club with and if it's a scouting issue or if it's more that the manager don't like them or the board saying nah or it could be they just have to fit in into this really narrow demographic of what Celtic should be buying so you're young with potential and that maybe even excludes somebody who's 24, 25, 26 now I, I think that that demographic is, is part of it like I was saying earlier on it's the young guys who will add value and that's been successful if, yeah. you, if you think about it, I was saying this to you earlier, think about Tierney, Ayer, Cham, uh, McGregor, Edward, Dembele. If you were to take them to the English market right now, you'd, you'd get 100 million quid. At least. That's, that's, yeah, at, at, that's, that's an incredible sort of build over the last couple of years. The difficulty is how you sort of reinvest that hypothetical money, how you reinvest that and how you take things to the next level. I don't really think it comes from buying guys at 26 and 27 from similar leagues you know, it's, it's going to come from holding on to some of these guys yeah. for a while and bringing in real quality experience to, to back them up yeah. um, and it's, it's that second part that's, that's the difficult one I think because you have to continuously right. go out and find those 3 mm-hmm. 4 good players that's going to be good in 2 years yeah. because the ones that are there now probably going to be moved on yes. so if you miss that one or two seasons 2 years down the line you can be in big trouble or you have to panic by yeah, and taking the loan guys might not be delivering much for Celtic in the long term, but it's continuing to reinforce this sort of image of you as a developing club. Yeah. That anyone else, anyone who's sort of 21 and hasn't made it at Liverpool or Arsenal or whatever can look and go, look at what they did for Patrick Roberts, look at what they did for Daniel Anzan. 
and, and that will help you to, to sort of to do the same in the future. We've kind of seen that a little bit. I think it was Philippe Clare, who's you know, a French journalist, who's, who went... Black and white picture on his Twitter profile. Big jazz fan. Um, he basically said, look, young French talent like Sean Dembella and Edward can do a lot worse than go to Celtic, get your experience and get it. So it's, it's kind of building on the French connection already. Mm-hmm. I think that's invaluable to try and persuade people to come over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, my friend's a, he's a massive Arsenal fan, um, Emery, and uh, like that Europa League, it's just such a disappointment for a club like Arsenal, um, but it's also a disappointment for us. How are we going to really, you know, we've talked about it in the podcast again about how this qualifier could be one of the lowest attended matches for, for quite a while, probably the, the one under Brendan Rodgers where he'd say, oh, shit, things are maybe starting to, starting to turn. Do you think Europa League's... Uh, going to be a popular are the fans going to get behind it essentially are, are Scottish football fans a bit snobby in certain markets I, I think a lot a lot of fans are quite snobbish about the Europa League and I think for this particular tie they will be because it's such a come down from what yeah what you guys have grown used to the first thing Brendan Rodgers said uh, at his post-match presser was the Europa League is still a very prestigious yeah. competition yeah it is we, we still take a lot of our kind of lead from England in how we view big picture stuff. And it's only a few years ago that English clubs were resting players in Europa League matches so that they could qualify for next year's Europa League. And that just that cycle just devalues the whole it's thing. It's a snake eating itself. But if you actually look at it, some of the teams that are in there are, are huge. And the very fact that UEFA are rigging the Champions League and squeezing everyone but their sort of top five leagues out means there's a lot more quality is, is yeah. going to be in the Europa League over the next few years. You know, it's people are snobbish about it until they get maybe three matches from winning it. Yeah, well that, you know? yeah. I think it is an initial disappointment and financially it's a hit but if you're in the Europa League for a year I think sporting-wise and development-wise it's not actually a bad thing for Celtic in that group of players just now. I mean, it has essentially coming becoming two divisions of European football. You get the main division and then you've got you've got the main division of the Champions League, which will garner you so much money that if you keep getting in there and keep getting in there, you're eventually going to kind of move up. Well unluckily for Celtic because I think if Celtic had qualified this time and we got got money and a half, um, you know, that extra half, fifteen million or whatever, you know, we really could have built on something. Now take a drop back you, you think they just didn't reach a tipping point where, yeah. where qualification becomes kind of you've got the muscle to push yeah. through it. I, I don't think, because mm-hmm. that this leads us into our kind of thoughts on Scottish clubs in Europe. Obviously, Hibs, Hibs did against Molde. Well, when you meet a team from a superior league, that happens. So. Yeah. Oh, well, come on. It's surely all about experience, and, and Hibs are fairly new to it. I, I don't think there's any embarrassment in them getting beaten I don't like, think, like I don't, when I, they did. I also think that from all, all accounts, the, the scoreline wasn't a great reflection of, of how the, the second leg went. Yeah, and better managers than Neil has lost in Molde. So. Can you stop making Molde out to be the Real Madrid of Scandinavian? Or maybe they are, actually, would they? Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Do, do you think we'll ever see... I mean, Rangers look kind of on course to mm-hmm. you know qualify. Celtic and Rangers, both in the Europa League, uh, Europa League group stages, um, would be a distraction for both of them. But do you think we'll ever see a non... Glasgow team qualify for the group stages of a European competition? I think it'll be tough, but I think it, I think it will happen. Uh, it's probably about having continuity at the club. Yeah. Uh, 
Aberdeen were so unlucky with the draw this time yeah. to get Burnley first time out. But they, they were starting to build up a bit of know-how and then they get the, the big dog straight out. Hibs could do the same. It's it's tough, but we're not going to turn the corner. Do you think away. Aberdeen would have beat Mulder? Impossible to say. <laughs> I, do, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I do think Scottish football will be helped. Though you have teams that are prepared and take the Europa League qualifiers seriously. I, I was scathing about St. Johnston last year because I, the last two three attempts they've had on the Europa League, they just don't seem prepared for it enough. Maybe they're just not good enough, but the teams that have been going out to, it's, it's, it's been so bad for the coefficient. So at least when you have probably the four best teams in Europe and they do take it seriously and, and they do seem but pretty fi- well prepared fine, for it. Yeah, fine margins in European football and St. Johnston don't really... You know, I feel sorry for a club like St Johnson where they are in the Scottish Premiership. They're getting decent money. Expectation level, I think, goes up after Tommy Wright does so well. Where can they go though? Yeah. I think I don't think European football. It's a bonus if you get if they get two or three games. It's a bonus. Yeah, everything's relative. I mean, the the struggles that Celtic would have at Champions League level against the very top teams. The, the struggles that St Johnson can have at the very sort of early stages of European football they didn't throw any money at it which is understandable but I think you're right there was I also think there, there is, wasn't much expectation if, and we should all have expectation if, yeah, if you have if you have teams like St Johnston who are good at playing the underdog I mean they go into Europe against supposedly weaker teams but those teams are quite well organised and tactically good I think that's maybe the issue comes I think if you look at what's a successful Scotland in Europe I would say it's it's two teams in the group stages. I think mm-hmm. Scottish champions should get into the group stages, be it the Champions League or the Europa League, and one of the other teams, if they can also get in, I think that's a success to have two teams in the group stages. Uh, yeah, I just want to kind of touch on the SPFL, the TV contract that's coming up. It's interesting, it's a great opportunity for Neil Doncaster, I mean... To turn that around. <laughs> well, yeah, the, this deal was signed when? Uh, 2013. Yeah. Things have changed a lot yeah. in, in that period of time. Uh, it's an international deal you're looking to get. And you're now going to market with Brendan Rogers in charge of one side, Stephen Gerrard in front of the other. In terms of international profile, that's much better than we've had for quite some time. The league's competitive. Some cracking games. I mean, you, you know, you could put together a great showreel yeah. um, to take to market. What I think is interesting is where do they go with it? Do they go to another agency and say, here is our product, please go and sell it for us? which would be fine if they get more money, or do they start talking to the new players like Facebook and Amazon and, and people like that? How viable do you think that is for Scottish football, Facebook, Amazon? I think it's ideal for both parties. I think they've got enough money to to make everyone sit up and take notice you know, in the, in, in the boardrooms up and down the country. Um, but I also think it's the right size for these guys to experiment with. Yeah, it would, it would be tricky for them. Um, one interesting thing my friend Tom suggested was Twitter. This week... All the clubs that didn't have their official sort of Twitter name, you know, Kilmarnock FC, didn't Bought the them all. They suddenly got them all. I seem part of so they're three, four teams at the same time, and you think, well, somebody's talking to yeah. Twitter, and that would be a nice fit. Scottish football and Twitter go hand in hand. Oh, Scottish football Twitter's phenomenal anyway. Um, just kind of as we're finishing up, uh, do you think we undervalue your game? Um, or are we getting to the point now where we're valuing it rightly and we're pushing forward and realising that it's such a pretty damn good product? I, I think there's a bit of both. I think... We are much more positive about it than we've been in a long time. We still reserve the right to take the piss out of ourselves and laugh at each other, as it should be. 
but there's nothing kind of shows you how much we value and treasure our game as much as when someone from outside says, <laughs> what does this say about the state of Scottish football? And we all say, shut it. <laughs> yes. Matt, do you want to finish it? No, I, I, think that, I think that's the selling point for Scotland. It, it is that it is can be a cult league rather than, as you said mm-hmm. earlier, there's absolutely no point comparing the Scottish league to the English one. Yeah. The Scottish league has to do things differently yeah, and up until now in so many ways I think they just try to copy what happens in England be with the highlights or how they sell it it's it's something different it could be something more like the MLS if, yeah. if, if you take those steps because mm-hmm. it is so much drama there and there's so much interest and the quality is it's getting better it's getting better so Definitely. I don't think the quality is anything roughly more like the championship in England and that's a huge league so see it's kind of like when you know when Impact Wrestling started and they tried to Here take on, they tried to take on WWE just now, at, at their own game. Anyway, um, thanks very much for coming on, Andy. Um, thanks for having lunch me. With the One final question: Who is the greatest uh, post-punk frontman of all time? Are you going to let me have John Lydon with Public Image as post-punk, or are we going to say that's Marek, a continuation uh, of the same? Marek's not allowing. Then that. I am going to have to go with. Ian Curtis or Marky Smith. Ian Curtis will be my choice. I'm very disappointed. I thought you were going to go with Marky Smith and I would have respected you a lot more. I've lost a lot of respect <laughs> for you. But Andy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks Thank for coming you very on. much. Yes. Thank you. Yes, you cheers. It gives me pain I think of you The things together That will never do First it's cold And then it's hot Try to be someone That I know I'm not I'm in trouble I know it I'm feeling I can't show it But these feelings Don't go Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic Extra podcast where we look at the weekend's games. We're going to look back at the Hearts game and towards the Partick Thistle game. We've got Partick Thistle in the League Cup. I'm joined by Alan Edgar. Hello. Alan Edgar, Partick Thistle in the League Cup. Does that excite you? Yes, it does. It's the biggest competition for us now. League. <laughs> Forget it. Champions League. Yeah. Yeah. At least it's League not, Cup. At least it's not called the Caribou Cup. Mm. Is that what they call it? Yeah, people like a few cans of caribou. Louis McCaffrey! <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Louis, it's a pleasure to see you. How are you, sir? Uh, aye, pretty good. Aye, very positive. Look, look handsome, as always. <laughs> Thanks, sir. Looking good. Yeah. Uh, Christian Wolf. Great to be here. Great to be here. So, like the, the, the podcast on Wednesday, we're going to go straight into it. So, Celtic versus Hearts. Celtic lost the first league defeat of the season. Only league defeat of the season. I'm going to underline that. That's how we're going to go. Uh, there's a lot to talk about in this game because, yeah, it was more of a war than a shite. football match. It was shite. I'm led to believe. Uh, Christian, you uh, stats corner. Stats corner. Obviously, um, a little shout out to Modern Football. Modern Football. 
We'll bring some stats from Modern Football. Modern Football. Is it um, www.modernfootball.com? Dot com. No messing around. No messing around. Get, in there, get, the, get the dot com in there. Dot com. Dot com. Um, how can I express my feelings about the Hearts game? I'm not that angry at Celtic. I'm angry at Hearts. And not just for the obvious reasons, because some of them are real pricks. Yes. <laughs> but, the, okay, so I think Hearts has had a good start to the season. Obviously, they've won two games. And they're like, oh, well-organized. It's going to do well this year. I think they're shite. I honestly think that game on Sunday was an abomination. Honestly. And I'll bring a little stat in. More power to him. <laughs> Go um, for it, comrade. In, in, in terms of like the first two games this season, um, overall, Hearts has the fourth least passes in game overall. In terms of accurate attacking passes, they have the third worst. They're just a pure long ball team. And they got this, I can't pronounce his name, this new lad up top. Ikapizu. Ikapizu. And, I mean, it, it was so obvious what they were doing. It was a couple of touches and we won the ball. Kick it up to the big man. Just try and get, if not that big man, the other big man, the, the Northern Irish big man on the, others, on, on the left there. Oh, and I just, every day, just cut up the play Late tackles, snidey marks, that Craig Levine on the side, just going bananas for like for a throw-in that he think was hard. And it's just, I think they're all hotter and bluster, and I really hope they had a terrible season. How's that for a stat? Wow, um, not as analytical or technical <laughs> as I expected. I'll, I'll come later. Um, but what I would say is, uh, okay, so Alan, looking at yourself... Um, been a Scottish football fan for so long. Going to Tincastle, do you think Rogers uh, had the right lineup? Yeah, I think he probably did. I just don't think they really turned up at all. I know that's one of those football cliches. Um, I think they just looked overwhelmed by it. Very, very disappointing defensively. Again, they genuinely did not look like they wanted to be there and Hearts can be a very intimidating atmosphere obviously as a fan when you go you get amped up for it and hopefully you get the reaction from the players don't think we've quite seen that never at any point in the game did I feel that we had control um, and we've lost games and we obviously we've talked about other games that we've lost etc but generally Celtic control games especially yeah. domestically yeah. They at no point did you feel like this game was under the control that you know in terms of you could see a pattern emerging it, it wasn't there, there, there was nothing we didn't really have the leaders in the park it just wasn't there at all um, I, 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 sorry to jump in no, but no, no you're not no I'm not at all. <laughs> especially not against you so what you say when you go into the swimming pool sorry <laughs> thanks, thanks I quite like that one it's not bad I would like to know more a bit of a thinker I do think it's as Alan says, Hearts kind of dragged Celtic into their game plans because yeah. Celtic went long so many times, and Craig Gordon especially. But they were kind of, uh, it was just going long. There was no even trying to do any Lincoln play, and and Hearts just you know they, they cut up the play as much as they could and so on. But they kind of just dragged Celtic into trying to play their way, and it was it was a it was a terrible game of football. I don't think necessarily it's a terrible game by Celtic. They just tried to play it on Hearts terms rather than their own terms which in a way is, is, is not good but uh, there was a few players in there who had <laughs> some, some shocking performances but others like I mean if again in, in isolation I think going away to Tynecastle to that 
donkey case of a team and a donkey case of a stadium. Donkey case? I, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it, it, it's, it. And you go and you, you know, you have a big European match in midweek, you change some players, it's a rough game, they lose 1 0. In isolation, you go, okay, that's fine, you're going to win the league anyway. Uh, I think because it comes in the period it has, it's. it's it seems a lot worse as well, um, but I'll, I'll let Louis have his say, and we can Louis, come on I'm, to some I'm, of the players. I'm going to bring, I'm going to talk you. Th- uh, you know, last Cynic Extra podcast when we were previewing, uh, previewing this game. In fact, you called for Ibuki Kowasi to play. Everyone laughed. Unleash <laughs> the Kowasi. He will never play. We all laughed. He was unleashed, <laughs> and he was unleashed, and he was a bit shite, wasn't he? Aye. <laughs> so I've uh, had five sides better than Kwasi. Um, yeah. j- j- just for the record here, see First if we make minutes, claims on this podcast. We should never. I think for our own protection, <laughs> we should never be allowed to go back to them. What happens in the past should stay in the past. <laughs> <laughs> happens on the past. Otherwise, this could be a long year. Stays I do agree with that, but. Um, I did want to see him play, and I'm glad that he played. <laughs> <laughs> Just to answer your question. But, um, Politicians answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he didn't have the greatest of games, but um, I think he showed... I, I think in flashes, he showed the, the, there is potential there, and I think he has done in previous games that he's played, mm. but he did look miles off the pace, and he he didn't really look as if he knew his role in the team either. Um, he's and he's, I, play, he's played so many positions, though. Yeah, and, his... and, and the thing is, although I wanted him to play, put, putting him in from out the cold, having no played in ages, to put him into that game yeah. at Tynecastle... Yeah, that's my, that's, that, that's my point. That's... Daft. That's why it's it, it daft, and it and it played out that way. Unless the boy, get, I suppose he could have possibly, you know, if he'd put in the performance of his lifetime, it, it would have been a, a great call. But all probability was that he would probably struggle because he's not played first team football. But in don't, so long. don't don't you think the perfect uh, game for a Kuasi to come in is Partick Thistle away in the cup when Partick Thistle are, have, have, haven't started the season well um, it's a game we should be looking to really obviously win um, we're, the, we're the holders I, do you I, not look at that and you think well if you're going to ease him in is that not the was game was it not was it choice though or was it actually uh, well this is what we don't I think know that's no, I, I would be inclined to think that actually it was that was the selection that we, you, we you don't s- have an abundance of midfielders you said it would have been a good game for it would have been a good game for John McGuinn but you said you're the one who said in the last podcast, um, Alan. And I know we don't like to think back to uh, other podcasts, but you're the one who said that you want the idea of McGregor playing through the middle would have been a, a better idea. Yeah, I, I would, but I, I, I just I think when you've got the game against Athens on Tuesday and you don't have your first choice. Um, Olivia and Cham available then you've got to look at other options Kwasi's been with the squad and he's trained with the squad for what two years now yeah, yeah. so I don't think ideally against Patrick Thistle but you know what if you don't have players available it shouldn't be an issue to, to play him it, it, I think there was mitigating circumstances there because the first 20 minutes he looked like a rabbit in the headlights but it was also it, it was almost to a comic effect he was, he was doing so many elementary mistakes you kind of have to go He's just having an incredibly bad day. It's not actually this bad because no, nobody I, can be that bad yeah, and play professional football. It last year. And, um, and I, I think after after sense. twenty minutes, he, he kind of got a little bit back into it. And I, I honestly think <laughs> it sounds like a cliche that there is a player that it was just oh, for him. <laughs> it, it was just completely the, the wrong game. Uh, it was maybe out of necessity, but 
and it's a shame because I think he needs to play against Partick. I just think he needs to get out on the on that pitch again straight away and, and play. I don't think he was any worse. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't call him out. He was obviously an odd first selection. twenty minutes. He was. All I, I wouldn't say he was worse than anybody else. You know, particularly across the back. I would say that trio of Semenovic, Hendry, and Brown Kuasi. I, I thought that three were. Criminal oh yeah, they're, they're, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that's kind of the key point. I, I don't think anyone would say he doesn't have a future because of one, you know, bad game. Um, as you see, Alan, you know, the fact that, yeah, you know, again, this is something I brought up in the last couple of weeks, and I, I'm not, I don't want to labour the point, but Scott Brown just, he just looks five yards off. I don't know how he gets back up to speed. Um, Start taking the ball in and passing it back to people yeah. start moving the ball you can't have a central midfielder that isn't involved in the play um, why do you think experience. it is why do you, what, do you think, what do you think the problem is with, with um, Brown do you I, think it's an I, injury I really, I, I really don't know I, I don't think it's injury I don't think it's anything like that. I think you'd be aware of something like that um, I just think it's I, th- I don't think it's anything to do with age or anything. I don't think it's an indicator that he's not going to have a great season I just yeah. think he's not doing what he was very good at last year which was taking the ball passing it back and then moving not sprinting away not trying to break the lines but moving away and just constantly giving options so that Enchan can come in and take the ball or whoever else it is can come in and take the ball over the last two games um, he's not quite done that he's still done all the running but that's a lot harder to do when you don't have control of the game it could be a a bad patch for me he is 33 now and he's had two seasons of playing 55-60 games so I, I, I think ideally you don't want him playing as much this season because at 33 in the midfield you're going to start declining in, in some ways and I think that's inevitable I think it needs to be managed in a different way this season so see this Hearts game um, just to kind of tie that up um, was it just a, a medicum of issues was it the fact that we had a massive um, match against AK Athens um, we rested some players maybe players had their eye on that game maybe not focused enough Um was it just one of those games? I, I think I, I think it is. I think if it's tucked away in the season somewhere in, in, in a good Celtic patch, it's kind of go, okay, that's just what happens. You have to change a few players and so on. I think just because it came when it came, it looks a lot worse. And specifically because mis- of Hodges as well. Because Yeah. Fucking hell. I think it was a mistake to, to, to rest the players that he did. I don't think play, I don't think players should be rested for a game like that at this point in the season. I agree. I think it was wrong, yeah. and and you're going away to arguably yeah. your toughest away fixture in the league campaign, and it's right at the start. Why? Why is in Cham, not even um, played Roderick, yeah. Edward, Forrest? Why are these players sitting on the bench? And you've got Johnny Hayes, not good enough. You've got Abu Kwasi coming in out of the cold. You get Sinclair not not playing anywhere. Sinclair had a good game, to, but but I I I still think we go with our strongest lineup. And right now, I would argue that Scott Sinclair isn't in it. I, I think there's I think that's a fair argument that at the start of the season, you know, players should have the capability to play Saturday yeah. Saturday morning, Tuesday night. Fair enough, but I think at that point you can do that, and it's probably better to get another game to play together rather than rest a few players. Uh, do, you, do you not think as well from a mental point of view for yeah. the players from the 1-1 game uh, at home to Athens? They wanted to the disappointment off. of that. Mentally, it would have been better to have those players go in again, beat Hearts, and then take that momentum into the second leg against Athens. Alan, your thoughts on that? I think it would be, ideally, in hindsight, 
Because you know, you know, you could then rest players think, for this game coming up at the weekend. I think there is questions over, so let's try and look at it player by player. Ayer was suspended, obviously, for the game against Athens. So I think you're looking and saying Simunovic and yeah. Hendry probably probably need a game um, together to try and get out the rut they're in, particularly Simunovic. Um, yeah, and I've talked about him before. In Cham, I think there was. I'd, I would be very doubtful if he's 100% fit anywhere near it, especially when you look at the Athens game as well. Really started to tire towards the end. And in the first leg, everything goes through him as well. So I don't think he, I don't think he would have been 100% fit for Saturday. Um, and Dembele obviously not available. No. Um, Edward, I suppose that would have been, I don't know what the injury against Athens was. Um, that he wasn't able to play. I don't know if that's a recurrence. He, he didn't. He didn't train. I think he only trained once last week. So right. So I, I don't think it's through. He's deciding not to play them. I think it maybe as more necessity. Edward came on against Hearts. Yeah, but if he would have been fully fit, he right. would have been able to play Saturday and Tuesday. I don't think there would be any question of that. Christian Gamble, Alan thoughts. Um, seems okay. Like um, he, the more I watch Lustig, the more I think that Gambo uh, is a good player. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't mean to be mean. Um, I no, absolutely love Mika, but I don't think Gambo is the answer. I think if he had been, then Rodgers would have went to him last season. I mean, you know, I'm a massive Lustig fan, but, you know, I think he needs someone else to kind of maybe push him as well. You know, Ooh, that's, a big, that's a big climb down for you. No, well, you know, like we've said, we you know, this might be the season that Scott Brown kind of, you know, needs time away, you know, needs time to his body to heal a little bit more. The same absolutely could be the said for Lustig. I think if you turn around to Lustig and you say you're going to play 25 games this season um, and then we'll have another right back that's going to play 30, 35, you know, it's. I think he'd be fine with that. Um, also, there is the option that he can come in and play centre half as well if, you, if you're struggling at that point. Um, just looking at the squad, Louis, what are your thoughts on the squad? I believe you had some notes. Uh, yes, I do. Well, I just looked up the squad and just... Off the back of um, you know everything that's happened in the last couple of weeks and the lack of transfers, which I think is what we're going to go into, just look at the squad and I just think it's littered with deadwood and players that we need to. <laughs> he doesn't hold back, does he? he just... <laughs> He's as negative as he was on Wednesday, if you remember. Yeah, yeah I do remember. There's yeah, there's slightly. plenty of players that we need to get shot of that are just clearly not good enough. Um, so who, who, to, to, to run through the list okay. very quickly. Yes. Um, for me, I would replace Gordon, but. Um, Definitely shite would be De Vries. <laughs> okay. De Vries. He's um, a third choice goalkeeper. Yeah. I, I think the goalkeeper is not I don't even think he's even there anymore. Um, uh, unless you have somebody who really fits the profile. I'm going to make I don't a think you have to go out and get a new goalkeeper. No, but stop paying his wages. Oh, but by the way, just wait till you, just wait till Scott Bain gets an extended run in the team and then you'll know what a bad goalkeeper right, is. Right, this is, this is the, the not good enough add punt and replace we need better quality in these positions list, right? <laughs> De, Gordon, De Vries, Henry, Simunovic, Gamboa, Boyata, um, Comper, um, Ralston, Beaton, get him to fuck long overdue, Sinclair, Hayes, Christy can go Alan can go we're going to have about two players <laughs> Ben you whoever that is <laughs> that's about it do we everybody have else can stay do we have enough to enter the team in a five sides <laughs> league and ten at sixes head. Yeah. Ten at yes we've got Ben and goals it'll be fine uh, Mikey Johnson's listed as a striker in, on the yep. official website yep seems a bit odd 
<laughs> and that's only just recently been added because I'm quite anal about the Celtic team on the website and I check it all the time. Oh, Louis, we know. Like we fucking know. I know you know. Uh, if I'm looking at that squad, who, I'd, who, who do I think isn't fit for purpose? Simirovic, Gamboa, Compare. I, I, I don't I, think Ralston or Miller have it. Can, can, can we go back to Gamboa? I think he's absolutely fine as a backup right back. And I think when he's been... I think Lustig's fine as a backup right back. That's where I am now. Oh. So I think Lustig is a really good backup right back that can come in when need be and can play games. And I games. think this is the point. You, you can say Gamboa is not good enough as a backup. There's absolutely no point. We touched upon this on another pod. There's no point going out and buying somebody to be a backup. You buy That's what I'm saying. somebody a first choice and then you get competition for pay- places. You bring up, you know, that's internal competition and then automatically you have a good backup. <laughs> so I, I think there's no point going out, oh, he, he'll do, you know, maybe that's somebody why like, we've, That's why we've brought back yeah. Azegiri though. We, yeah. we literally have went in and brought... But, a, we've brought and a, is that not the most embarrassing transfer well, of, the, it, well, it, of it, recent times? In isolation, I, I, I it kind of kind of makes sense, but also it goes out. Why are we? Why is this all isolation thing? <laughs> all we're talking about? Fucking no! Look at the big picture. We've just signed well, this Agiri who's got a pot belly. But, but I think it does have a it's pot a, belly. It's a Giri in 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 a bigger context, Louis. Is there there is questions there then? Because obviously you needed a, a cover for for Tierney. So do you bring in somebody who's experienced or, or younger? Because you're not going to bring in, I, I just I contradict just what I, I just said I, there, but you're not going to bring in somebody to fight Cantina for, for the left back position. Cause Barry Douglas he, went for three million quid to Leeds. I know, right? but you're not going to buy Barry Douglas cause, and put him on the bench. No, but you? you don't. You don't have. You just said it yourself. You bring in a player and there's competition I, for places, I, with the exception of Tierney, because you're not going to Tierney is, is, is Tierney at centre half, better than everybody yeah. else. But I, I just think in, in, I'll make an exception for left back, but. Like John McGinn, I think he could have been challenging for starting eleven, maybe. But again, it's I kind of wanted somebody. I don't know. It, it's if you look at the squad, it's, you kind of go. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's glaring gaps there, but I also don't think it's kind of like lacking a little bit of, of a spark. The, pro- the problem we've got it's is lacking we, quality. If, if you look, no, I don't. See, we've. The issue we've got is we've got a lot of players who are injury prone. We've got Dembele and we've got Lewis, uh, Lewis Griffiths. Um, we get Dembele and we get Griffiths who both have spent recently a long time on on the sidelines. Eddie's now out for we don't know how long Eddie's out. Hopefully it's just a niggle and he'll be back. But the fact is we've got see our first eleven. Um, some of it, you know, you you look at your you look at Kiantini, look at, you look at Ayer, you look at those two and you think they. Terrific. Yeah. You look at Brown, McGregor, Rogic, and Cham. Just those four. Forrest. You're like, this is all great. The problem comes with injuries. It comes with one the two players having a dip in form at the same time, which is kind of is probably going to happen at points. I, I, I get Christian's point about the squad and how you shouldn't just go looking for someone who's going to sit on the bench and be happy sitting on the bench because that's not good enough. You want everyone competing, but. The squad just seems to have so many injuries, rotating injuries, that I don't fucking really know but, what the answer is. But, but, but the, the the thing is, though, there is clear... The answer is, but let me jump in, the answer isn't buying seven players, by the no, way. The no, answer but, absolutely isn't going but, out and buying but, seven players, because we don't yeah. need seven players. But there's seven players we can get rid of. 
Stop paying the wages of that aren't contributing to no, things. No, you could, you could get rid of seven players and bring in two or three quality players. Aye, that, that'd be better than what we've got right now. But the thing is, there's, there's clear areas that we, sh- we need strengthening. Now, with that list there, right, there's some obvious deadwood that are just that just are never going to have a future at Celtic, right? There's some obvious ones that, that we need to go. But you could ignore the strikers, Dembele, Edward, Griffiths, absolutely fine. Yeah. Don't need to worry about that. Midfield, other than personally a left winger, I think you could l- let that go. Forget about that. Goalkeepers, you all want to stick with Gordon. We'll stick with Gordon. We've got Bain as backup. <laughs> He's doing his you can you can forget about that. But see the defence, that whole collective, that whole group, pish. Other than Tierney. The rest of it, not good enough. Christopher Iron. We need a right we, we need a, we need a right back. He's still learning though. He, he, I, I'm not saying sell him, but I don't <laughs> think he should be held up as the perfect centre half. Th- no, that, th- the the boy is still learning. It wasn't so long ago that he was making mistakes when we were questioning him. We need quality centre halves and get rid of the ones that we've got, and we need a right back. I said it weeks ago. I think the right back position is a bigger issue. But oh, until now, probably, but it was a bigger issue. But we, yeah, but obviously, it was like, who, who we're going to get in? Get in somebody really good. Yeah, that's, that's who we're going to get Ray in. Allen, some fucking but brilliant. It, it's, it's just in in. The market and the position Celtic are in, they're not. It's going to be very rare that I can bring in somebody who's kind of peak age and you can go straight in and, and peak be age, peak PK, age, peak age, peak age, peak age maybe. But I think the last time he had that was Scott Sinclair, which was different reasons why he came in. So you kind of have to buy with an eye on development or as an experienced buy. I think it's, it's the the interesting discussion is is maybe if Celtic. And it kind of doesn't fit the profile, but there will be a lot of players around 24, 25, 26, 27 years old in middle ranking European leagues, Switzerland, Austria, uh, even the Belgium. You can go and get maybe really a high level quality of play, not the highest level in those leagues because they'll go for more money, but you can, somebody who's 25, 26 and can come in and do a job, cost a bit of money, but they. Celtic is not buying that market because you give them a contract at the end of a contract there's no value left on them so they either want to buy really experienced which is cheaper or to buy really young because and they can and they put not nine, buying- to put 9 million in for French Eddie but part of that is because you can pretty certain you can sell him for more so it oh, is you'll make your money back at and least. I think when they've gone and bought somebody who is kind of in that bracket Sviachenko it hasn't quite worked out so it's it's a difficult market to buy in, and I, but but the thing is though, it's not as if we wait until the transfer. But it feels this way: we wait until the transfer window opens, and then you know suddenly the shop opens. You can walk in and see what's available. We're meant to have a scouting network. We're meant to have a head of recruitment. These guys are being paid to do a job all year round. Now, if our club is not planning for a window, having a list of targets for every position that the manager wants doing extensive scouting, sussing out whether we have a legitimate chance of getting the player and having a plan in place so that when that transfer window opens, we go and get the players that we I, need. I think it's really hard for us to say... I, I, I agree with you that there is things in the recruiting policy that is not working well. and But it's hard for us for the outside to say, is that the scouting network? 
Is it the type of player that Rodgers want? Is it the board that has certain misgivings? Or is it just really difficult to get the players you want when you're Celtic and you're buying in this tiny, tiny Microcosm, yeah, where you want to? So I think there's probably a combination of all of them. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, if, if you're the scouting team, obviously you're planning for the season. I, I just, it's, but from the outside, it's hard to tell whether it's more they're not good enough or more it's just really really difficult to buy the right kind of player Alan Partick Thistle <laughs> in the League can, Cup if, if we're moving away from transfers can I just make a point on the transfers for the last two seasons oh, okay, yeah. I, I know there's a new guy who came in um, okay. Lee Congerton but you do have He's fu- since since the start of 2016 you have a spine who bought in of Christopher Ayer Nicham Dembele and French Eddie now that's four really really big prospect that the club can send for a lot of money so don't come and say that Celtic has a rubber scouting network because you know that's four players not plucked from obscurity but also who's gone in and invested at the right time and they seem to be developing the right way and you're not going to get every transfer is going to be perfect if you get half of them right you're, you're onto something really good so I'm not accepting that it's, it's a terrible scouting network can it get better? obviously but I also go mm, you kind of overlooking the, the players they've actually brought in. My, but my problem with Conkern, uh, Comper was his his man, right? That that was known. Uh, Comper said it in his, uh, when he signed that Conkern had been wanting him when he was at uh, Hamburg. There's, there's, there's Comper, I suppose you would have to put in... Um, Kwasi and Edward in Cham. Kwasi came. Oh no, was that before, yeah, was before. And as far as in Cham's concerned, but is, he, is also. A, but, I mean, but, if, if you get in Cham, Edward, and Dembella right, you can kind of afford a Kwasi. I think Kwasi no, is still a player. But, but my, the worry for me is though, then after that, it's Bain, Hendry, McGinn, all Scottish based players. Right, which it doesn't it, seem to it, be a strategy. It, there's not a yeah. scouting network. Yeah. We know that those were the best players at their clubs, and those are the clubs that were playing each week. So that's got nothing to do with scouting, nothing to do with head of yeah. recruitment. And then the other players that we've been linked with all summer, one which we signed is Aguirre, Paddy Roberts, Jason Denier, all players that have played for us in the past. And there is, there is kind of, I'm thinking back to Fred and Rogers' Liverpool days, where there was a lot of discussions around the club that Rogers wanted a certain type of player. And then the transfer process in the club wanted a different kind of player. So there was even at the end, there was this, is this a Rogers signing or is it a transfer committee signing? So I, I, I don't, I, it's a fair point in terms of, you know, McGinn, Henry and those kind of, they're, they're obvious signings in one way. Obviously, scouting is also sending people out do you trust kind of fit into that style kind of fit into you know how Rogers want to play but yeah it, it, it seems slightly scattergun at times but Celtic the last, still have a really good track record I don't your take on it, it. I, I think it's a case of Rogers wants and he emphasises always bringing in quality I get it if we can bring in a player like in Cham every year that would be great guys like that I don't tend to slip through the nets at a bigger club though um, so if you can bring one of those guys in every two years, you're probably doing quite well. Um, I don't have a problem with his buying the best players in Scotland. 
I never have an issue with that. Um, I get that people aren't excited by it, but you also need to make sure that you've got guys who understand the game in the league. So I don't have a problem with that. So I'm not sure I would say that suggests it's a scattergun approach or anything like that. I think it's more just that you need to make sure you've got a core of players who understand the league as well so that you can add them in because we do need to win the league every year and those guys can help with that. Um, I would love us to be able to bring in another couple of great, two or three great European players. That would be excellent. It, it does not work like that though and I'm sure that there, there are targets we do not get to see any part of that process though so it is just guesswork I know it's frustrating I'm not giving an insight but there, there's probably nobody that can actually do that for us um, I, I have no doubt that I work tireless behind the scenes and I think we would spend money I don't think there's a doubt over spending money I think it's maybe about closing the deal that's the thing that I seem to get from the Rogers comments I think the targets have been identified negotiations have taken place just and I get don't think they're quite closing it off either that or they're maybe just waiting about a little bit too much and I think that's maybe where the frustrations came from and that from. would be down to Lawwell then that if it's his side of it I, I don't know how it works it, this, it, it, the Conger and Rogers Lowell thing I, I genuinely I no it, it is an interesting point that because Rogers likes to have control so he likes to have the manager role and the sporting director role I think Lowell in, in, in one way he is a really good um, chief executive because you look at the position the club is in and what they do and there's a lot of stuff to criticise for what the club does but they also in comparative terms he's done a good job the question is there is he the kind of guy who can get deals over the line I think he's a really good commercial guy he's a good financial guy would it be beneficial to have somebody who has like a deal maker, yeah, and the deal. I mean, the sporting director can be that as well. It's obviously that Rogers don't want that, but I think, I think there is a, is there is a, and you don't have to be like specific, yeah, a bit more of a deal maker. And I don't know if Laurel's maybe too high up in the organization to be. He's too uh, cautious. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to tell from the outside, but you kind of go. It's kind of like there's one guy who could bring everything, all this together. And I think Rogers want to be the guy who defines everything. He wants to be in charge. And I think that's maybe where his frustration comes with, with the board because Rogers want to click his fingers and have it. And maybe there's, there's, if there's been a guy in the middle, he can actually be kind of a buffer between Rogers and the board. Well, you get one well. more comment to make on that. I was just going to make, make a comment. Looking at the... We've got a, a list here of the ins and outs over the, the last few managers. I mean, Ronnie Dylan has two years bought more players um, than what Brendan Rodgers has bought Um, now yeah I take Alan's point about Rodgers prioritising quality but I mean there's probably half of Rodgers signings haven't worked out um, and and, and haven't been the quality that we've been looking for Rodgers has sold more players than what Ronnie Dyla did um, and that a, a, a lot of them are the players that Dyla brought in actually looking through the list there's a lot of shit. I'll yeah. give you the actual I mean, <laughs> shit, yeah. in terms of the numbers so far Rodgers has bought, brought in 15 uh, 30 of them bought 2 on loans Dyla had brought in 23 7 on loan um, I think the interesting number is maybe in terms of, of net spend Rodgers is down Twelve and a half million pounds. Dyla was up twelve point five million pounds. Now some of that is just the timing of like the Van Dyke deals and those kind of things. But it's it's not if if you look at the pure financial facts of it, Celtic has spent more net 
under Rodgers. They spent twenty-five million pounds more in transfers net under Rodgers than than under Dyla, and the wages have gone up. So now some of that is just it will go up, and but it's, it's you can't say that the board hasn't backed Rodgers to at least to a certain degree. Have they backed him at the right time with the right players? How to tell? But it's not like to, to hold him back to money. And if you don't get through to Champions League. There's a hole. You, 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 you know, you kind of have to at least. You can't go out and buy ten player for ten fifty million net every transfer window. So some people say, well, you, if you buy the players, you, you get into the Champions League. You can buy Messi and not be guaranteed to get into the Champions League. So I, I, I'm, I don't agree. I, with I, that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent. I don't agree that the board is like pinching the money. What is maybe a bit worrying is that with the McGinn thing that. Obviously, that Lowell didn't want to pay four million for a Scottish player at this point, and he was trying to make a point out of it. I think that's maybe had McGinn been, you know, Marco McGuinn from Switzerland and with amazing stats, they probably gone, "Hey, four million, in you go." I think that was maybe maybe that's where Roger's frustration come from. He seemed a more a pettiness and putting a stake in the ground from Lowell and the club, the worst other Scottish club, rather than. You know, because they they can afford four million. I think they just want put a precedent down for, yeah. to pay that, but, and 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 that is the role of the chief executive as well to say, look, mm, you know, long term that's not a good move. And then Brendan Rogers, at the same time, quite rightfully said, well, you know, we can afford it, and it, it'll, it'll be good for the team. So it's where those two kind of contrasting. Rogers more short term and and Lowell maybe more longer term, just yeah, trying to come together. Absolutely, and um, we're just kind of. Obviously, we've not had time to kind of look at the Partick Thistle game, but... It's Thistle! You, you, Lads, it's Thistle! Just go out and play. Play Boyata, for fuck's sake. Play Quasi! <laughs> Take care of itself. Do you feel the same, Alan? I always find that we struggle a little bit at Thistle. Yeah. Um, it's n- it's always a sticky game. It's a quite a tight week. It's long, but it's quite tight. I'll probably shit in the bed, to be and honest. And we at a horror show there last year as well. So I think there might be some changes... I think they they will be dying for the game to come. Most out. of the players live out there as well, don't they? It, it feels Short like work. a long time from Tuesday night to Saturday as well. Yeah, um, I know so they just, you, you think well. they'll just want to get on the pitch and just do the business and get out of the way. But I'm dying for them to go on the I, pitch. I think I think it's a pretty good time. I mean, it's going to be it's Tissle now, and then it, that probably that Lithuanian team on on Thursday. Who is it after? Is home against Rangers? No, but oh, no. no, there's somebody. Like, oh, sorry, yeah, the, the match after that is, is Hamilton, is it? Uh, not Hamilton. But I, th- I think it's uh, at least it's, it's a pretty easy run of games. It is, it's Hamilton. Is it Hamilton. It's Hamilton, and then um, the second leg, and then obviously we've got Rangers in the second. So I, I think it's, it's, it's. I think the game comes at a good time. Um, predictions <laughs> for that game as we're wrapping up. Ah, four nil, Celtic. No worries. Uh, Ryan Christie will start. I, I know you're <laughs> Celtic. Uh, <coughs> Celtic will. Um, one two one, um, yeah, I think Celtic will win. I think it'll be tight though. Well, I think Celtic will win. I, I, um, Christopher Year is going to score his first goal for Celtic on Saturday. Uh, and on oh. that bombshell, no, I think um, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think Celtic will obviously have enough in the tank, though. I don't know how ma- many people will be rested because um, they've got the extra couple of days because it's the Thursday now um, as opposed to Tuesday or Wednesday. But I'd, I'd go by a strong lineup, and I would just try and get to put this game to bed early doors and then see where we go from there. Following Thursday, how many people... Will, does anybody know off the top of their head how many people are in the Home Cup ticket scheme? I can tell you now. Because I think it would genuinely have the potential to be one of the lowest European attendances at Parkhead 
in a long time. Yeah. But because of the Home Cup ticket scheme, you'll probably still guaranteed, especially at the moment. <laughs> you will go. You won't enjoy it. <laughs> twen- whatever it is, 25 quid ahead. I would probably estimate we've got at least 45,000 on a Home Cup ticket scheme based on the fact that the last three, the last two seasons you've been guaranteed two finals, tickets to those finals, and more people will see that and want to join up. And I think it then means that you don't really give the message of not turning up. So my advice I just genuinely think I think if we get to the Europa League there would be excitement is that what you're saying I think there would be a little bit of apathy about next Thursday's game though and I think it could be an interesting game something Rogers has probably never experienced before in terms of a bit of a apathetic people I, I, think we shouldn't we're too good to be there but we deserve to be there I think that the atmosphere on, on first day will be interesting yeah Maybe I'll throw by that in in a gladiator <laughs> style. A lightning scenario. <laughs> Boo him. Well, we'll <laughs> fuck him. We'll Blue do, be in there. We'll do, deal with that near the time. Alan Edgar, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Louis McCaffrey. Listen, I've loved that. I've got a lot off my chest. I'm going out happy. Christian Wolf. I've had a ball, and as long as hearts have a dreadful season, <laughs> I'm fine. We'll oh, be. can we? Sorry, before we. Do we have time? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, you know, I like to jam an American sports reference. Here we go. Every single week. Um, Stephen Naismith, when he stood over Hayes after the tackle, in basketball that would be a flagrant one or a flagrant two, which means you're probably going to go off the court for the rest of the game. Should have been How off. can you stand over a player who, forget the injury part of it, if that had been, say, a biggest game, anything, the referee did not even go over to Naismith and say, look, by the way, can you not stand over a player shouting his face and then try and incite a riot? Well, if that's any other game, surely, Scottish, for that not look, to even be a yellow card? Scottish referees got this thing, I think they want to be this old-school image ref where they're just like, yeah, man, maybe they don't sound like that. <laughs> that does not but, sound like an old-school referee. But they're just kind of like, want to prove how tough they um, and like how, you know, this is proper game, you know, we're going to let it go. Screw him. Fuck him. Stephen Naismith laughed in Jack Hendry's face. One of the older boys should have stuck a nut on him. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait I for Hearts. That's, that's great. Injuries and suspensions. That's if what we're going to have this year. Naismith doesn't get his comeuppance in the next game. I can't I'm wait for Hearts to come to Celtic Park next. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there and shout abuse of them, honestly. I'll come with I'm, you. Oh, good. Laugh Sorry for that. No, it's all right. Hopefully they're signed by Yata by then. Lafferty will get his comeuppance in the next Glasgow derby. Uh, I'm Chris Gallagher. We're the 90 Minute Cynic, and we'll speak to you down the road.
Star 